where we ended last week is with that startling statistic that the Churches of Christ lost 2,411 churches between 1906 and 1930. So we do need to be careful when people talk about the good old days. We haven't really hit the good old days yet. We had some really hard times there. And then came a strong voice out of that confusion, and it defined us for the next two or three generations. His name was Foy E. Wallace, Jr. Wallace believed that our preaching and teaching from now on needed to deal with the issues. He wrote and preached extensively, and all of his writings are still out there. Uh, give him his due. He never made a penny off of them, even though they were bestsellers amongst us. Uh, all that money went back into charity, back into the church. But he didn't write much about Jesus. It was all issues. Unity became a bad word. His friend and co-writer, G.C. Brewer, was as conservative as they come. But he disagreed with Wallace on style and method. And they were friends at first, but eventually they became enemies because Brewer refused to disfellowship those we disagree with, where Wallace said that was required. And Wallace was drawing, drawing lines, and Brewer said, no, you can't. And so Wallace drew a line between them. So G.C. Brewer, uh, one of the, again, highly conservative, but was not conservative enough because he didn't disfellowship the right people. Wallace became angry, sarcastic, caustic, and worse. He was a very smart man who allowed himself to become an attack dog, thinking that's what God wanted. He did it sincerely. He sincerely thought that's what God wanted. Brewer reacted against him more harshly than he should have, and later he, he said so. Um, he said, opposing harshness should not be done as harshly as I did it. See, that's what happens, isn't it? You start a disagreement, and then you just start bumping each other, and what happens? You go further and further and further. And that's what happened to them. How rough, rough was the split? Brewer got tired of Wallace going around the country deciding which church was in and which church was not. And Wallace did that. He did it, by the way, through a paper. We need to talk about that for a minute. Gutenberg did us a lot of good with the movable type and the printing press. But in religious movements, anybody with a printing press became a bishop. They developed their own little editor-bishop congregations. You could walk into a church, and if you saw Gospel Minutes, you knew they were like this. AIM, they were like that. Gospel Advocate, they were like that. Contending for the faith, run. Uh, they... There was even one paper among us for a while called, I am not making this up, The Heretic Detector. I often wonder, did you just lay it on the coffee table and it pointed? You know, how, how, did, how does this work? Brewer gave a speech at Abilene Christian College at the time where he spoke against the attitude and style, and he said this, if we love souls to the extent that we are willing to preach to pray for, and labor to save a vile reprobate, why then will we destroy a man who is clean in life, earnest in heart, faithful to God in everything except some minor point? 
This point may have to do with the state of the dead or the question of what will become of the heathen or the millennium or some other question. It is because some men cannot see things in a sober, calm, considerate, judicial manner that we have hobbyists and fanatics. A little harsh at the end, but he had a point. Why do we attack Christians harder than we attack pagans? Why, but we do that in our families, do we not? Now, we've got to go way back in distant time here to where people had a telephone that was connected by a tether to the wall. But how many of you grew up in homes where people were in the, in the house, mom, dad, kids, whatever, phone rang, hello. <laughs> They're being nice to the stranger. They don't even know who they are. But to the people close to them, snarling and attacking. And that's what our church had become. Here's another, he wasn't done. Brewer went on to say, a radical never converted anybody. A ranting partisan never reflected honor on any cause. A bitter, bickering, contentious man is not welcome in any company of sane souls. Phariseeism dwarfs the soul, paralyzes the heart, kills sympathy and love and all other noble impulses. Such a spirit stabs spiritual religion dead at your feet and turns you into a rabid, ranting, rag-chewing, hair-splitting hypocrite as self-deceived, self-righteous, and self-assured of your own loyalty and soundness as the ancient Pharisees who were your exact prototype. That was the shot, and now the far right of our church split. And we had enough splits already. But now those that followed Brewer versus those that followed Wallace. Wallace immediately called Brewer a digressive, which was the worst thing you could call somebody at that time. Yes? We're talking about the 1930s, 1934, 35. Thank you. Should have said. Uh, a digressive meant somebody who knew the Lord but turned their back on him. And that's what he called Brewer because Brewer wouldn't disfellowship his own brothers and sisters. He said, quote, he can no longer be relied upon to protect the church from speculation and opinionism. R.H. Bull chimed in. Remember, R.H. Bull was faithful in all things, except he also believed in a premillennial reign. So he was marked by Wallace. He called Wallace, quote, a creed maker. We can all agree that even though our church has very often said, we have no written creed, we had a lot of unwritten creeds. Did we not? I can remember coming to speak at one church in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we didn't live that far from there. I'd just been in America maybe a few months. Sat down, never been to that church before. And the minister sat down beside me a song or two before I got up. Leaned over and he said, just want to make sure you're aware we only use the King James here. And I, I laughed until I saw his face. I thought he was kidding. And I just come from Breton. We don't use King James over there because we don't talk like that anymore. Believe it or not. It always tickles me when I see ye oldie something. There's never been a time in the English language and that had an E on the end of it. You're making it up. Stop it. Anyway, um... So I stoodeth up and uh, spoketh unto them like unto this for the first few minutes until they couldn't, a few of them started 
you know, smiling at church. And then I said, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm just going to move on. And I spoke as I normally would and used the Bible as I normally would. Never got invited back, but I'm used to that. I've had a lot of one-date relationships, um, churches and people, but it's too painful. don't want to talk about it. Wallace got Fried Hardeman and Lipscomb Colleges to agree to never let anybody who believed in premillennialism to speak there. Harding joined that in 1935. And if you think, oh my goodness, what a horrible thing. You need to know that until very recently, Rubel Shelley was not allowed to be on Lipscomb's campus, much less speak. I am still on the officially don't speak at anything official list at Harding. As, uh, I'm going to have to guess. About five or six years ago, I could not have spoken at celebration at Lipscomb. That all has been changed with the recent president. Thank God. Yes. If you're wondering, I, I don't mean President Obama. I'm not, you know, as, it's not a political statement. It's, it, uh, Steve Lowry's doing a fantastic job, and so is his team. He, he has got a crack team around him that's, that's doing great stuff. Um, he, and by the way, uh, Mike Cope preached for the downtown church in Searcy for the longest time. Mike Cope can't speak at Harding. Last I heard. Uh, there are a lot of us, Jeff Walling and the like. So we're aware that this still goes on. Now, why would they be like this? Because they get their money from a bunch of little churches. And, and in fact, Rochester College asked me to teach, not in Bible, I'm not qualified. I don't have Bible degrees. But in the science department, and uh, to, to be the chair of their psych department years ago, and I said, no. And they said, why not? You could do all this good. And I said, no, I would destroy your college. Because as soon as I come on, givers would stop. And so they, we all agreed to play nice and be separate. Wallace then pushed hard for them to ban all who were neutral on the point as well. So you couldn't say, well, I'm not really sure what happens at the end of time. If that was enough, you're no longer a Christian. Whoa. It went so far that um, he got allies to help him, and J.D. Tant agreed and pushed for the same in Texas. That's why one book about our history in Texas is entitled, The Fight is On. That's who we were. Wallace published a paper called The Gospel Guardian. He named names and did what he could to force out all opinions other than his own, which he sincerely believed were shared by God. But if you didn't agree with him on everything, you were out. And he named the congregation. In fact, if you used a book, we had a songbook for a long time called Great Songs of the Church. He would disfellowship you for that because it has some songs in there that he didn't approve of. He, would, he was famous for holding it up and screaming, what church, and throwing it when he'd come into a building and intimidating people into getting rid of it. That paper went under didn't have enough subscribers. So he started another one called the Bible Banner, which some of you might remember. He returned to Nashville and his followers staged rallies and meetings all over the city. The church was formed in his image and stayed there for 30 years. That's who we were. Think how far away from the Campbells that was. The Campbells who would have called the Pope brother 
the Campbells, who prayed with anybody, loved everybody, and in debates with atheists, were still sweet and gentle. Read those debates. It's amazing. Some of their opponents showed up unarmed. Campbell could have just destroyed them, and yet he treated them with grace the whole time through. And then look what happened within 100 years. It's, it was horrific. It was no longer a unity movement. It was now a tradition-based movement based on purity of doctrine and thought. And that's the church most of us grew up in, is it not? If you came from Church of Christ roots. It, it purity of thought. If you disagreed about anything, for example, is, is hell... When you die, do you sleep for a while, then you're resurrected? Do you go to Tartarus? Do you go, uh, you know, what? If you didn't have exactly the chart sermon in your head about where they were to go and when, you're out. This still exists in many places. This year alone, I've gotten three people write me saying, I've always had a week at this Christian camp or that Christian camp, and the board is meeting to kick me out this year because it's all different. One, they did charity work with the local uh, denomination. Another, it's because he was seen to, uh, he responded to a question that instrumental music was not a salvation issue. Another, because they clapped too much that week. Things got out of control, and they were afraid that a girl might baptize a girl. That's still going on. That's why... I wasn't terribly surprised, but I was saddened. Years ago, my wife and I were in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I was speaking at a local church. Walked in. We needed some stuff at a drugstore for us or our kids. Kids were with us. And a uh, lady talking at the checkout thing said, well, you're not from around here, are you? And I went, no, no, no. You know, what you doing here? And I said, I've come to speak at a local church. And she said, oh, what church? And I said, Church of Christ. And she literally flinched and took a step back. She wouldn't have done that from the Campbell's church. But she did it from the church we became. Brothers and sisters, some of you have family members who think you've left the faith. No, we went back to it. We have not digressed. We have not laid aside scripture. We picked it up. If you don't believe that, read 1 John and ask yourself, if a man stood up and just that was his sermon, and you never heard it before, could he get a job in a church as a Christ? 20 years ago, no. Today, maybe. We're changing, brothers and sisters. This church is changing rapidly, and thank God. And it's going to look different to my kids than it does to me, and I'm fine with that too. By the way, while Wallace is fighting Brewer, uh, and Batzel Barrett Baxter was on Brewer's side on this. Other voices were out there. You need to know this. A long time before I was born, there were people speaking about unity and love. Leroy Garrett. Leroy Garrett is a hero. He took arrows and pain. I, mean, I get hate mail. I get nothing like he got all of his life. He's still with us, barely. He's very old goes to Singing Oaks Church of Christ in Denton. I found that out after I was speaking at Denton. They said, see that guy down there? Yeah, that's Leroy Garrett. Thank you. 
All I need now is, oh, and there's Jesus. And there's... If you, um, you Google Leroy, Leroy Garrett, you'll come up with LeroyGarrett.org, I think it is, maybe .com. All of his writings are there for free. Read them. Uh, Cecil Hook, another name you need to read. All of them are up online for free. I, I think his is LetFreedomRing.org, maybe. But Let Freedom Ring, something like that. Cecil Hook, H-O-O-K. I don't... We pronounce it hook. Hook. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, to remain shackled. That was Gene Rowland wrote that one. Uh, I believe that was Gene Rowland that wrote, I permit not a woman to remain shackled. He's an elder at, uh, Quail, was an elder at Quail Springs in Oklahoma City. But see, there were names. There were people standing up. Most of them got shoved out of the church, forced out. Garrett wouldn't go. Hook waited really till he retired before he wrote much. The um, Ira Rice Jr. rose up to come contest all of this. I know, I knew Ira. He's he's dead now. We were so far on the right of the church that when Cammie and I moved back to Scotland, Ira Rice Jr. gave us the whole back page of Contending for the Faith to praise us. You want to talk about a long road? He regretted that after a while. If you never read Contending for the Faith, it's all right. He also wrote a series of books, Acts at the Root, volumes 1, 2, and 3. I think that was all he wrote on that one. Um just mean flat out mean and I remember when he passed and I was helping a, a church build a church building at the time there just on a day off I'd driven up to that town to help build and one of the men turned to me and he goes do you think I was in heaven and I said I hope so but I would hate to face Jesus and God after a lifetime of beating up his kids. I just, and, but I really do hope so. If I see him up there, I'll hug him. He might hug back eventually. He would. By the, God softened him up by now. The Christian church and the disciples of Christ, by the way, were still there. One big group at that time. They were, listing, they were doing a series of conversations. They called it in Detroit and Toronto. If you don't know, Toronto is just a few hours away from Detroit. Just cross the river and drive over. Um, they also held them in Cincinnati to try to bring us back together as a body in the 1930s. Several high-profile members of the Churches of Christ attended, such as Batsel Barrett-Baxter from Lipscomb, George Pepperdine, which my father's never forgiven him for that, and nothing good can ever come from Pepperdine since then. But the bulk of the ministers in our tribe said that even going was a sin because these were a waste of time until we all agreed that the only thing that could unite us is if we all agree upon our doctrines and our pattern of worship. I even remember one argument during this time, during the 60s, these were still going on, and I was just a wee boy. And I remember one of them um, saying, they're calling for union. 
We don't want union. We want unity. And he, he illustrated this. He said, you can get a tomcat and a hound dog and tie their tails together and sling them over a clothesline, and you've got union, but not unity. And everybody laughing. And I'm going, who would think of that? illustration. How did that come in your head? Got to tell you this, completely off the subject. My son's a big guy, 6'5", massive hands. Their little baby, 7 pounds 7. We never had a small baby like that in our family. It's like, where's the rest of her? You know, you know is it a cat? You know, but anyway, there she is. Uh, and I see pictures of that massive hand of his, just massive, and that little baby there in the middle and it, I couldn't help but think of the time he was three years old. We were just driving, quiet. All of a sudden, Duncan goes, Da, if you squeeze a chicken hard enough, will its head pop off? <laughs> and it hit me, he's got a baby. <laughs> All right, uh, moving right along. Next week, we're going to show you a video called The Chairs Video. Has anybody seen The Chairs Video by Rick Ashley? Some of you, just a couple. We're going to show you a video that you really need to see so that you can explain why we open our arms to everybody. But it is, uh, if you want to see it ahead of time, Google Chairs Video Rick Ashley, and you'll see it. It's brilliantly done. But the Unity Talks failed. Because H. Leo Bowles gave a speech and then put it out in the paper demanding that the progressives, those Christian church disciples of Christ, come back to the church of Christ, repent of their sins, and admit we were right the whole time, or be forever lost. And that's, they're not coming back. And about that time, the depression came, and it was going to pose another threat to unity in the churches of Christ. There are certain little quirky things you might hear and notice about our brotherhood but never know where they came from, such as most of the time when you see the term Church of Christ, you see a wee C, a little C on the front of church. Why? We feared we'd be a denomination if we had an official name. That's all it takes. That's kind of like saying if you dress up in Brazil outfit, you're on the team. But that name is official, if you try to change it, in fact, if you even say today, is the, is the word name Church of Christ the only name we're allowed to call the church? They'll go, no, 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 but try to change it. I have no interest in changing it. Like I've told you before, I don't want to change it. I want to redeem the name. So don't think I've got another thing, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lead you to this being called the Church of St. Mulligan, where everybody gets a redo, you know, or something. Uh, St. Patrick has a ring to it, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> No, I, the name, I want to keep the name. It's time for, and it's not just us, people. Otter Creek, a whole bunch of churches are redeeming the name. More and more all the time. That said, we were in Scotland in a particular area where the Jehovah's Witnesses, for some reason, used the name Church of Christ. And of course, the, the Mormons used Church of Christ, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which sounds the same. So we ask, what if we just put the Assembly of the Saints and our sponsoring churches, every single one, told us, we will cut your funding. So while we don't have an official name, we have an official name. But that, that little C is supposed to protect us, like an inoculation. Another quirky thing. We have no official colleges. 
Lipscomb is not a Church of Christ college. Lipscomb is a university supported by members of the Churches of Christ. And you have to phrase that right, don't you? All of them are that way. We, we don't say they are supported by Churches of Christ. We say they are supported by members of the Churches of Christ. Why? Wallace, Sommer, and that group. Because they all said churches cannot support anything that's not a church. Period. You can support individual, individual Christians, can use their money any way they see fit, but you cannot use the Lord's money from his treasury. All right? Interesting. Um, somebody want to find in the New Testament a discussion of the treasury? Not in there. You want to talk about unwritten creeds? We had a ton of them, did we not? Absolutely. I'm so... I thank God that he's let me live this long. You know, it's a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't really think I'd last this long. I would have taken better care of myself if I'd have known that I had to stay in this body that long. I always assumed with a mouth on me somebody would shoot me years ago. The, um, the Bible doesn't say anything about this, but because of the legalism of the day, to this day you don't say Churches of Christ College or a college supported by Churches of Christ. You have to say, by members of the Churches, little c, of Christ. The spirit of Phariseeism dwarfs the soul. And then the Depression hit. Members had little money to send to schools, so Harding had to move. It was in Moralton. I don't know where that is. It's in Arkansas somewhere. They moved to Circe. That was an upgrade. I like to call it scarcely Arkansas because <laughs> it's barely there. Well, Harding called for special collections to be made in the churches to save the school. At Fried Hardeman, God bless them for their faith, the teachers mortgaged their homes to keep the school going. Two different ways of handling the same problem. And preachers lined up behind each. G.C. Brewer lined up and said, 1932, Brethren, let us not cause division over every difference of opinion. But they just got started. The firm foundation, one of these papers, launched a tax on Christian schools as a waste of God's money. They said Abilene spent more money on football than teaching the Bible. You know why? You don't need as much equipment. Although there are times with my sermons, I wish I was wearing a helmet and pads. My wife calls those moving sermons, because we might be moving. Uh, there are times she just goes, starts the truck. It might, it might need to have a rolling start. They demanded that the gospel advocate and Christian leader fall into line and publish what they said. So extremism on both sides. Baxter would later write that not only should churches give to the schools, there is no authority for Christians to give to any good work except through the church. Uh, just show of hands. When I was growing up in the Churches of Christ, it was considered a sin to give any money to the Salvation Army or United Way. Anybody else? Yeah. Can't do that. If you're a visitor here going, what kind of dysfunctional? This is a dysfunctional church that's laying it out there to say, this is where we were. We're not going back there. 
We're going back to what Jesus did. Love God, love each other. That's enough. Absolutely enough. You saw in my article that I wrote that somebody asked, you know, why do we need three guitars to worship God? People, if we have 5,000 guitars, should they not be put in service of God? Everything we've got should be put in service of God. What if it makes you feel uncomfortable? Welcome to the world. When I wake up in the morning, I'm uncomfortable. I woke up. It's not about us. I always remind people, we, we talk about a cross. That might be a clue that this isn't for our comfort. In Churches of Christ, there are also a series of codes given. I've got five minutes, I guess, uh, on, on the side. They, they will indicate the divisions among us. The largest division in our particular tribe was between those who thought the treasury and the local congregation were sacrosanct. You couldn't give money from the treasury to people who are not members and those who thought you could cooperate with each other and give money jointly to something. What do we call those who do not give to colleges or orphans' homes or the like? What do we call them? Anti. The Christian church calls us the anti-church because we're anti-instrument. The antis call the anti-Sunday school church the antis. We can keep going. Everybody believe. You'll see this on a chair video. We'll, we'll show it next week. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to bring up the, the attendance sheets. If you'll fill those out, please. Uh, Miss Lydia is married to somebody that owns a gun. And, <laughs> and I forgot last week they look like this. Do you guys have one? Okay. I learned that. All right. Oh, she's here. He's here. Uh, anyway. Who's protecting us? Most of the non-institutional churches were uh, located in the south but they took their doctrine with them when they went north during the Depression and the war. That's something you'll find. The southern churches were far more evangelistic, but they took the whole culture with them when they went. In Detroit, you can go down to, the, they call it Down River, which is the south side of Detroit, and you'll find a Church of Christ, and they preach like southern preachers, and they sing old southern songs. They've been up there since the Depression. But that whole cultural bubble. You go to California, you find the same thing. So yay for evangelism, boo for what you took. Remember, Jesus talks about Pharisees that will go all over the world to make a new convert and make them twice the child of hell that they are. Be careful what you're spreading. If you're wondering, only 13% of our congregations are in what we would call the ante, uh, and they're shrinking. They're shrinking. However, if you just look at the numbers and don't know how to do numbers, you might not think it. 13% of us are in the antes. However, 2003, 11% were in the antes. You might say, oh, they're growing. No, we're shrinking. We're shrinking faster than they are. It's a race to the bottom, kind of like currencies in Western Europe. 
we, um, the reason we're shrinking is because our churches are traditionally rural congregations, family-based. And the majority of Americans now do not live with father and mother and the kids they made. Are you aware of that? So when churches are designed to be around that family unit, they have now targeted less than half the population available. And if you move into places like Detroit, where nearly 90% of all children are born outside of wedlock, if you're set up to be the family church, you have to be the family. It's a whole different dynamic. Good men came to the front, by the way, the last couple minutes, uh, 1940 to 1965, but their work had very unintended consequences. You think of Norval Young. He helped us to use church growth methods. Batsel Barrett Baxter brought mass media, the herald of truth. Anti-churches wouldn't support it. That's one of the ways, that's one of those dividing lines. Uh, Willard Collins brought mainstream evangelism techniques to the church. Large meetings, door knocking, cottage Bible studies. Do you remember cottage? What an odd word in America. You don't have cottages. You've got houses. Cottages have thatched roofs, maybe with a goat on top. Instead of just an old goat inside. Um... Willard Collins also recruited young, fiery preachers who could move an audience. The most famous among those of his young recruits was Jimmy Allen. Anybody heard Jimmy Allen preach? Then you heard just as I am. Because at the end of his lessons, they're going to sing that song till somebody comes. And there was one time I was at a church where we were starting it for the third time. And I was thinking, I'm going... Now, it was not a noble thought. Um, I was on a date, but the date couldn't start till church was over, and he was eating into my time. So I just thought I would go forward and confess wanting to kill somebody and not... But before I got up, somebody else did. And I bet it was about the same thing because it was a prayer for an unspoken need. I went, I know what happened there. I was probably one of your kids saying, Mama says dinner's burning. You know, but anyway, his son wrote a book, Growing Up Church of Christ, about his leaving our body. I want to build a church where my son can go and where my grandsons can grow and not be afraid. I want a church where my granddaughter can raise her children and not be afraid. So that's what I've given my life to. We only have a couple of more weeks to finish this up, but we're really on track to do it. But be aware, you never really finish it up. All you can do in history is get where you are. History still is being written. And later generations will decide if we're villains or heroes. Don't care. All I care about is, did we respect Jesus Christ and give him our best today? I think we did. I think we did. And I know I love you, and I know you love us. It's been a long road, but we're happy to be on it with you. God bless. Cheerio. Go away.